Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Black Country Ramble, where we discuss both sides of the Black Country footballing divide. I am Kiz and I am a West Bromwich Albion fan and I am joined by JB, who is predictably a Wolves fan. JB, how are you? Yeah, good mate, not too bad. Um, yeah, interesting sort of last seven days since we last spoke. Um, not on the pitch, but off the pitch. Looking forward to getting into that. Um, yeah, not, not too bad, mate. How about yourself? Yeah, all good, man. Um, just about woken up from uh, the slumber that Albion's nil-nil last night sent me into. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, not looking forward to getting into that one. As you yeah. said, quite weak on the pitch. Um, but we'll get into off the pitch as well and we'll see. Yeah, sure. um, yeah, see if we can make heads or tails of both teams' transfer activity or lack thereof in the last week. Um, JB, it is on you this week for our trivia. So listeners, play along if you want to. Feel free to pause the podcast. We'll give answers later in the episode. Absolutely. So I really enjoyed that question he posed to me last week. He's really enjoyed that. It was a really, really good sort of clever question that really got me thinking. So I'm going to sort of copy you really. and go down exactly the same route, but from a slightly different era. I don't want to milk it too much. I think we'll get back to the, the normal trivia that we sort of usually bounce for each other. Um, in the past, but I think while it's sort of fresh and, and, and pretty pretty decent, I thought I'd get into this. So I myself have got four players from the golden era of the sort of 2006, 2007, 2008 sort of time, um, when I think you sort of really sort of got into the, the football side of things with Albion. Um, and I was just starting my venture work in there. So four players, two from Wolves, two from Albion. All purchased within those within those couple of seasons when we had that sort of quite big rivalry when we played when we seemed to play each other every other week. Um, I'm going to reel them off, okay? So what I want you to do is if you can get the order of them, either low to high, high to low in terms of transfer fee. If you can get the uh, the actual transfer fee, that'd be even more impressive. So the four players are Kevin Phillips, Dave Edwards, Christoph Berra, and Chris Brunt. So David Edwards was signed for Wolves from Luton. Christoph Berry was signed for Wolves from Hearts. Kevin Phillips, I'm not sure actually. I've, I've, I've gone off the I've gone off top med. I'm not sure who he signed him off. Would it have been Villa? No? I think it might. I think it might have been Villa. Yeah. And then Chris Brown would that been Chef Wednesday? Uh, yeah, it would have been. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they're all bought within a within a sort of season and a half of each other. A couple of them in sort of similar. Um, Two of them being quite similar transfer fees and the other two as well. So, yeah, so Christoph Berra, Dave Edwards, Kevin Phillips and Chris Brunt are your four players. Okay, nice. I, my in my initial sort of instinct is I don't think we paid much for either Chris Brunt or Kevin Phillips. And I don't know if we paid anything for Kevin Phillips, but I'm not 100%. Um, whatever we paid for me was worth it because um, yeah, <laughs> we could do with him now at the Hawthorns, I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, right, okay. So, Vera, Edwards, Phillips and Brunt. Right, okay. I'm going to sit on it for a while. Yeah. But I think, I think I might know who was most expensive and who was least expensive, but it's just that bit in the yeah, middle. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Okay, was, JB. I think we'll um, come back. We will, we will. Last week we started with Wolves. Um, this week we'll start with Albion in the interest of balance and fairness. Um, Albion have played twice since we last recorded. Um, we played Blackburn on Sunday and we played um, Cardiff last night. Nearly forgot then. We played Cardiff last <laughs> night. Um, one point from two games, uh, which means this season we now have three points from four games. Um it's clear to see what Albion's problem is. Uh, it's putting the ball in the back of the net again. It feels like a rerun of last season. It feels like uh, we're walking down a, an already trodden path. Um, but there's a few, a few slightly different things this season that obviously make it different to last season. Start of play, who we have on the books, who's injured, things like that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I want to start with the positive. Um, one thing that's really stood out in the opening four games is Brady Diangana has been um, revitalised, you might say. Um, he looks a proper player again. He's playing at the right level. He's playing in the right position on the left of a, of a front three or a front forward, depending on how you see it. Um, and he's getting plenty of the ball, which is really nice. Um, he also played very central yesterday. Him and John Swift were quite interchangeable. Um 
Second positive is it was nice to see Yakushlu play um, a full game yesterday, but and, and he does look a, a cut above. Like when you when you're given the ball in a congested area, he beats a man, he recycles the ball, he's always looking to pass forward, he does all the right things. But that segues nicely onto the the negative sort of side of Yukushlu. I thought he, he looked a little bit off the pace from the start yesterday. He's looked he's looked imperious when he's come off the bench, but yesterday he looked a little bit uh, rushed at times on the ball. Uh, understandable, it was his first start. He's, he's, you know, in the other games, he's been coming on against tired opposition. In this game, he had to play from the start. And it can't be easy to play next to Jake Livermore in midfield. Um so, yeah, but he, I also thought he still looked to cut above our other midfield options. Um, he, he always looks to pass forward. And without the ball, he's just, he's different gravy. Yukushlu is consistently in the right position and he commits at the right time and he reads the game really, really well, which is why I think um, South of Vigo played him at centre-back sometimes last season because he has got all the attributes and the... Uh, um, the game reading ability to do that. So yeah, I'm really happy with how Yukushlu started. Really pleased that Dian Garner's refound his form. Um, however, uh, we need a striker like nothing else. Um, people said, "Oh, we've only got one striker at the club. We need another one." We haven't got a striker at the club. We do not have a striker, a senior striker on the books. Callum Robinson's the number ten. Carlin Grant is not a striker. Carl and Grant is not a striker. There is no way on earth that that boy is a striker. A lot of Albion fans are annoyed at um, one moment in particular with Carl and Grant yesterday. He's, he's through one-on-one. Grady Yangana threads him through. He's through one-on-one. He gets between the centre-backs and um, out comes the keeper. Carl and Grant falls out of the tackle really early and then realises he he shouldn't really have pulled out. So sort of sort of dangles a leg nowhere near the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper clears it with ease. Um, a striker doesn't pull out of that tackle. David, you know yourself, you're obviously we're talking about a different level, but you are a, you are a Sunday league striker, a Saturday striker. Yeah. Would you ever be pulling out of a 50-50 with a goalkeeper? Absolutely not, mate. That, they're the kind of the challenges that there's a striker you relish because you sort of, you either want to, one of two things really, force the error from the keeper or stick one on him. Because they're more than likely going to stick one on you at some point, whether it's a, yeah. a double punch in the back of the, the neck off a corner that the referee can't see, or or anything really, you know, that they're more than happy to clean you out at any time during the ninety minutes. So, so from a from a striker perspective, you either want to set your marker out and, and put one on them, saying, "Well, I'm here, for, I'm here for the battle," or you're going to force an error, whether it's a rebound or something like that. Um, you, you never back. I mean, I I haven't seen that. I, I need to have a look at that and. and you know, but I've, I've saw a lot of talk about it on my timeline last night about this sort of mm. 50-50 challenge. Um, and it's a striker, really, that's sort of unforgivable because those kind of opportunities don't really come up that often in a game. Um, though, being deadly honest with you, Colin Grant seems to be getting about five or six clear-cut chances a game at the moment with you. Um, yeah. But it's a lack of confidence. You know, listen, you shelled out, you shelled out a decent amount of wedge on him for a reason because he was also oh, yeah. successful at Huddersfield. You know, he, he, he scored really heavily. What had it been? How would it be three seasons ago now? Would it have been in the um, championship? If yeah, it was, it was the season we went up in the championship. Yeah. So he's obviously got something in his locker. So I don't know whether it, it's just not right for the Albion, whether or not it's a huge lack of confidence that he's looking to get over. Almost like a Dan Garner sort of situation where he was maybe 18 months ago. I'm really not sure. Um, but either way... It's it's not good when a striker who's lacking confidence, who should be trying to gobble up any kind of opportunity, backs out of a 50-50 with the keeper, probably it's in his favour. Um, that's probably all I've got to say on that. Yeah, I think it, it just shows he's not got that striker's instinct. He's a goal scorer, um, but he's not a striker and he's not a finisher. And you can see from the amount of chances he gets... Um, that he's an intelligent player. He, he, he does the right things. He creates opportunities for himself or finds himself in good positions, but he just has not got that killer instinct um, and that striking instinct that I'll be yeah. out for at the moment. Uh, I, there's no way Daryl DK pulls out of that 50-50. And um, I think the, car, the Cardiff keeper would have been glad it wasn't Daryl DK 
yeah. really plan on him. It was Carl and Grant. Um, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see on, on DK. Can he get fit? Um, one thing we didn't really say about DK when his injury happened, well, last week when we recorded him, he, um, he's in serious doubt now of making the, the World Cup, which is a yeah. shame because DK should have been knocking on the door to get in that team. And it would have been a lovely story for DK and us and, you know, that riding that crest of that wave of having a, a striker who would have played against England as well in the group stage. Obviously, uh, the USA are in our group. Um, so it's a real shame. I hope he can get back slightly ahead of schedule, but you don't want to rush him back, of course. Yeah, See sure. Maybe go on a run and force himself into that um, USMNT. Um, that was yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it is. Um, yeah, so... Massive positives are Diangana and the introduction of Yukushlu. Um, and then off the back of Grant, obviously not being a striker, I worry for, for John Swift. He okay. looks he looks like, well, to be honest, I checked the team sheet a couple of times in the first half. I was like, no, Swift is playing. Have I missed a sub here? What's going on? And I think basically he was he was forced out wide a lot to let Diangana come in and try and get on the ball as much as possible. But John Swift may as well not have been on the pitch yesterday against Cardiff and pretty similar against Blackburn. We're talking about a top, top championship creator who isn't getting the space, the time, the influence that you would expect. And to be honest, I think it's because when you don't have to worry about a striker, um, being maybe as dangerous as as you'd like him to, from well, from a defensive point of view, you know he's not as you know he's yeah. just about as dangerous as you want him to be. He's not. Carl Grant isn't really a threat at the moment. Um, then John Swift isn't a worry either. Um, you can just mark him out of the game. Um, the hope is, um, you know, when Newcastle's fully match fit, that might liberate John Swift and Diangana can find that space, and then maybe Grant will get the goals. But there's so many dominoes that need to fall into place with this Albion side. And I just feel like DK, um, DK is such a big, big miss because we we went into this season very naively, considering him and Carl and Grant as our as our two strikers. But I, to be honest, I think it's it's one injury prone striker and one winger who yeah. were playing as a striker. So you can point fingers at, at Bruce as I often do. Um, I'm not getting into that today. <laughs> uh, but really, the, the recruitment is not good enough there. There was a line from Steve Bruce. Someone asked him about a list of players. Who have you got on the on the watch list? Who who could be coming in before the end of the window? And he sort of says, "Oh, there's you know, there's not really a list. We're just going to try and get something done." And I'm I'm like head in hands. Like how how can you not have a list? How yeah. how can the list of red Keenan Davis, Liam Delap, the end? That's not that's not how you run a top-end championship football club. And that's the danger. The danger is we're no longer going to be a, cha- a top-end championship football club in the next two or three seasons. If that yeah. happens, we're just going to become also runs. We're going to be like um, teams like um, Forest for years, well, Derby for years as well. The danger is, I mean, I, I remember touching that on the pod last year or the year before, can't remember, time flies. And I, I often reference sort of my year of growing up watching Wolves where... You know, we were the sort of the, as it was in Division One, not the Championship. You know, we were in the Division One doldrums for, for years. You know, and we'd, we'd, have, we'd have a flirt with the playoffs here or there, and then we might spend a bit of money one season, hope for the best, and, and that sort of thing. And there is a real danger that potentially that could be ready. And, and I'm talking, crikey, what we in now? I'm talking 20 years ago, if not longer, actually, probably. I'm talking probably 25 years ago. When obviously the, champ- the Division One Championship was obviously a lot weaker than what it is now. I mean, the, the standard is so much higher, um, and teams just pull away and invest and, and get the right appointments in and do the right thing. And Albion really, you know, obviously they had a couple of tough, tough, tough starts, but you know those kind of games. You look at Cardiff at home, you know that that. I mean, I texted you, didn't I? I think I texted you just as the game kicked off. Kicked off. It all just for reference. I think three-one Albion tonight, sort of thing, which shows yeah. my sort of level of, of predi- predictions at the moment. Um, you know, and then you and so once you're going into again this early on in the season, you're going into a huge game of the weekend against Hull, and it shouldn't be that way, you mm-hmm. know. Um, like you said, you know, you are, I think I've said it just off air before we started recording. I feel like Albion are just on that edge, and I'm not sure which way they're going to go. You know, they, they could either 
get get a result of the weekend and really kick on, start picking up, you know, results where like they should be. DK comes back and they really sort of, you know, hammer home towards the end of the season. Or you could drop off the, the prefaces, if you like, or whatever that word is, sorry, you know. And, you know, do you know what I mean? You could... Yeah. And then all of a sudden you become that also around team, you know, I don't know, your, your, your Millwalls or your QPRs or whoever else, really, you know, your, your, your teams that are in that sort of championship doldrums. Um, yeah, I feel like it's a really fine line at the moment with the album. I'm not quite sure which way you're going to go because, yeah. you know, a couple yeah. of weeks ago we spoke about how the fact you got your business done early, you brought in two of the, the best quality players in the championship on a free in Wallace and Swift, you know, well, yeah, on paper, everything looks rosy, yeah. you know, at least before games in, you know, things can change the drop of the hat. We know that, but there's just some small alarm bells ringing for me. And, you know, just the, the, the tone of, of fans' voices, listen to yourself, Kieran, because obviously after, a lot of it have to go on what you say, so don't watch as much Albion as I did when they're in the crowd. You know, I try to as much as I can, so I often have to go off what I read and what I see and what I hear. Um, yeah, so it, 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 it's it's almost quite a delicate point in Albion's time, really, which sounds crazy, bear in mind, what, August the 18th or whatever we are. Um, yeah, strange. Yeah, I know, I know exactly what you mean. I, I feel like we, it, it's strange talking about a game that, you know, you know might feel is must win this early in the season. Um, but yeah. I feel like in order to build that confidence and to to draw a line at under the first four games, we kind of do need to win at, at the weekend against Hull. Yeah. Um, the one thing I would say is we, we have played some very, very good sides. We've played um, Blackburn, who are currently still top. Um, I'm yeah. not I'm not that high on Blackburn, though. I, I think um, they'll drop. I, think, I don't even think they'll finish in the playoffs, to be honest. Yeah. Um, we've played Watford and we battered them. Um, we've played Borough away. That's one, going to be one of the toughest places to go this season. Um, we... We, you know, we didn't beat Cardiff, but Cardiff never had a shot on target yesterday. So it, it's not like we're we're turning up and we're being outplayed. We're just not we're just not scoring. But that's where all of our problems started last season. We just could not put the ball in the net yeah. when we needed to. So yeah, it could go either way. As it happens, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be fine. Um, yeah. Hopefully, we get a striker in. Um, but I'm looking at it, thinking, well, if we're going to get a striker in, that's going to be a short-term stopgap who's not at the level, a bit like when we got Andy Carroll in last season. Sure. What's the point? What's however, the point, yeah. yeah. However, we're currently looking at a, a team which does not have a striker. Um, so I understand things need to be done. But what I would like to do is go to a 4-3-3. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would help John Swift. I think it would help um, everybody. I think it would, it would, it would really do a lot for um, liberating players in that system. Uh, but uh, my worry again would be, can Carl and Grant play as a focal point in a 4-3-3? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Callum Robinson could maybe play as that, that lone striker in a 4-3-3 um, with Wallace and Dean Garner either side of him or Wallace and Grant maybe and you sort of mix and match that front four. Um, yeah, I know there's a food for thought, mate. There's a, there's a lot going on at the Hawthorns, but... Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to get too low on Albion just yet. Sure. Um, with a slightly nicer run of fixtures coming. Um, and also the fact that we've not really been battered in any games. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, if we take three points against Hull, um, then we go away to Huddersfield and Wigan um, with a little bit more confidence. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, JB, let's make the switch to the other side of the Black yes, Country. Um as you said, pretty quiet on the field. Um, mm-hmm. Wolves followed up their opening day defeat to Leeds with a nil-nil draw with Fulham. Um, good result for Fulham. Good point for them. Um, not the worst point in the world for Wolves, yeah. but um, feels like there's been a lot of water under the bridge since that Fulham sure. game. To be honest, for the outside looking in, JB, uh, yeah. it's always the last sort of week as a Wolves fan. Yeah, it's been, been a bit of a roller coaster, really. Um, obviously, the Fulham game, as you say, it, not a huge amount to put back on. I had a very similar sort of um, feel to the Leeds game in terms of um, better, probably the better side. Um, not particularly great in, in terms of performance, but, but did enough in the game to win. Um, 
couple of, of standout chances really when Neto going in front of the keeper. Um, there's a couple of still images doing the rounds on Twitter and stuff, which makes it probably look worse than what it is. But he did probably hang on to the ball a little bit too, too, too much. He should have just slotted it in early. And, and it was, for me, a, a goal, an opportunity to score. And a player of his calibre should have done that. Um, likewise, um, Aitnoy's got in down the left-hand side, whipped in a lovely ball. Good gives what's anticipated that gone to the back post. And for me, it's, it, a lot of people going, oh, it's coming at a real, real fast pace. Um, for, for me, a player of Gibbs White quality and at the level that, he, that, he, that, that, that you're at, at that, that level, you should be putting that away. If you're making a dart to the back post at pace, you would just your body and your feet to, to anticipate a quick ball across the deck. And I thought, I thought it was actually quite poor from Gibbs White. I thought he should have done a lot better. Um, and there's a couple of opportunities as well. You know, we, we got in a couple of times and we created enough to, 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 to sort of win the game comfortably, in my opinion. But we were never sort of um, in that sort of dominant feel. Um, and you always felt we weren't quite at the races. And you always felt that Fulham, if if they um, if they got a little bit of a foothold in the game or had a little bit of style that might create something, and lo and behold, in the second half, getting behind, Aitnori gives away a really clumsy penalty. Um, and Jose Sar saves it. So in the end, it, it's one of those games where... You, a point was probably a good point in the end because, you know, at that point, if Mitrovic scores a penalty, they're more than likely going to shut up shop. We haven't really been as sort of cut for clinical um, as we should have been. And, and I wouldn't have thought even with 1-0 down with 20s to go, whatever it was on the clock, we'd have been able to have stepped up to that plate. Um, so, yeah, so in the end, it was it was probably a fair result with, with Fulham missing a penalty. But it had that very much feel of the Leeds game. You know, we were the better side, more possession, more chances, a couple more clear-cut chances than the Leeds game, um, but nothing to really, you know, set the world on fire, if, if you like. Um, and then it sort of all exploded off the pitch, really, sort of Sunday evening onwards, whereby the Matthias Nunes rumours really sort of started to gather pace. Um, a lot of sort of really reliable outlets started reporting, particularly the sort of the Portuguese outlets reporting that it was a done deal, he was coming over. Percy got in on the act, Romano got in on the act, and then also it's like, wow, like this is actually happening. Um, I do need to say as well, JB, you yeah. said last week on the pod that this was happening. Um, so wherever you got that information, that was that was reliable. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Twitter's a really great platform for many reasons. Also quite dangerous as well um, and, and you have to sort of be careful who you follow and who you believe things like that but being on Twitter um, for as long as I have and, and sort of as, as Kieran I've referenced it quite a few times since we spoke privately about it the algorithms of who you follow and things like that um, I kind of I feel like I know people who are trust and people who genuinely have called stuff in the past and aren't just spouting nonsense from you know newspaper clickbait and stuff like that um, and the Nunes thing has always been there. I think the fact that the, the big teams who, who probably should have signed him hadn't, the fact that, um, yeah, like, like quite a few reliable people had mentioned that, you know, there's a real chance. I mean, that, there's a real funny tweet that's gone on. There's a, just this random Wolves account. I only saw yourself, Kieran. Um, there's this Wolves account. So he's a, a guy, well, I presume it was a guy. I, th- I think that the tweet handle was Pcloss, as in P-C-L-O-S-S. No reference to Wolves whatsoever. And I think it was on the 29th of July, he put a random tweet. I think he's got like 12 followers. He put a random tweet out saying that Nunes stuff's agreed. He wants to um, look for other options. But if he doesn't agree, he'll be signing for Wolves on the 15th of August, um, etc. Called it to an absolute T, give or take. Um and it had very much the hallmarks of, and again, this is a bit of a, for the Wolves fans that listen that will know this, when we got promoted back in 2018, there was this random Twitter account called Niklas with a K, and it was his Chelsea fan from London. And basically he he he, he called before any media outlet, any Romano, Percy tweet, anything about was signing with Patricio, basically said, I'm the I'm best mate of Rui, and he's signing for Wolves. And I was like, who's this guy? Lo and behold, the next day he signed for Wolves, and nobody even knew about it. So the hallmarks of that sort of legendary sort of Wolves Twitter. Wolves Twitter is a funny place at times. But, um, yeah, the, the, anyway, so I digress, but the, the rumours gathered pace, and then obviously as soon as Fabrizio Romano and John Percy and the, the, the sort of record from Portugal get involved, you, you know it's happening. And, yeah, it, it, it's a, a signing that sort of defies belief in a lot of ways. He's an incredible player. Um, highly thought of, highly sought after. You know, when Pep Guardiola describes him as 
one of the best players in world football. You, you stand up and, and, and listen, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, it's nice not, not just a, a Portuguese journalist going, yeah, he's one of the best players. You know, Pep Guardiola calls him one of the best players in world football. You, you kind of think, Christ, how have we sort of pulled this off? And we all know how we pulled it off. We're not stupid. We know we, we have strong ties and connections to Jorge Mendes. Um, and he's probably, um, well, probably well, has more than likely um, played a massive role in that deal. And the deal got over the line, and that is a, a fabulous signing for the club, a real statement of intent, a, a, the kind of signing that, to me, probably probably eclipses the Neves deal in a way because of, of his stature and how good he is and the fact that a, a team like Wolves really shouldn't get anywhere near him. And for me, kind of probably eclipses the Neves deal. I'm so excited to see him play. I think it gives us a completely different dimension now in terms of the way we're going to play. And... Um, the fact that Neves is, is most likely, as I told him and say, he's going to stay, and the news is he's got he's probably going to sign a new deal. Um, in my mind, probably gives us one of the strongest midfield pairings in the league, um, which is some statement. But I genuinely believe that I don't as many better midfield pairings in, in the league than Neves and Nunes. Um, and it's really exciting, really, really exciting. Um, there's obviously been a massive change in policy. Because as, as we have spoke about and I've spoke about both on here, on my Twitter feed, etc., that there is a lot of uncertainty about where Fosen stood with Wolves. Um, there's been a lot of sort of um, what's the word I'm after here, Kieran? Um, almost like backtracking, if you like, in terms of all fans, like obviously we're all like sort of focusing now and, and look at us, isn't it great? Whereas a few weeks ago, it was all like get them out, I don't want to know, sort of thing. And I was probably one of those in a way. But the, the thing is, and I, I, you have to take it at face value, Fosun very clearly in, in the in the Ask Wolves minutes back in May, which which is, which is a really good thing that I think a lot of clubs should do more. Um, you know, the, the, they literally said the words, we are a self-sustainable model. We need to sell to buy. Um, we have been affected by the pandemic. And all the noise that they made, made any normal Wolves and think, we're not going to really invest here. You know, we're not quite, you know, if, if we want to invest really, we're going to have to sell Neves, we're going to have to sell players, we're going to have to do this, do that. You know, so there's all the Gibbs White talk a few weeks ago, is he going to fund something, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, it, and it's, it's changed sort of overnight in a way. Now, there's lots of different things that have come out that just really strong, and again, when I talk about the reliable sources that the Qataris have got involved and they, they put a bit of investment in. Well, where's so that, all, where has that come from, JB? What is Don't that? know. Don't know. It's, again, I, I, I can't quote, I can't claim to be in the know. I just quote what I see from people I believe to be reliable. Um, and there is talk that, the, that there has been a little bit of Qatari investment, not sure how much or, or how or why. The, all, the other big thing as well, which, which is reliable, um, and it, 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 you, can, you can find it in, in any sort of news outlet, is that um, the Chinese embassy had a meeting which was fronted by Fosun in terms of that they want to now open up that the Chinese investment um, outside of China has been, been limited for pretty much two years now. And there was a huge sort of business meeting with the Chinese embassy in the UK, which was fronted by Fosun and our owner, um, basically saying we, we want to reopen that investment channel now and, and basically Fosun or the, or the shop window of that. So whether or not Fosun have suddenly opened the purse strings and they're the, the, the sort of the shop window for this newfound Chinese investment coming into the country, I think it's one of those two things, or the Qatari thing, or, or, the, or the fact that the Chinese have allowed Fosun to open those purse strings. As we know, the way Chinese politics works very different to over here. Um, but either way, the purse strings are well and truly open. Um, and I don't think we're, we're done yet, which is, which is really, really exciting. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's talk that those purse strings might extend to um, a striker before the window is... Yeah. Uh, is over. Um, talk of Gon- Gonzalo Ramos from Benfica. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, he fits the bill. He's Portuguese. Um, yeah. He scored last night. Actually, scored a goal last night. Benfica. Yeah, he scores goals. It, I mean, it would it would work. I know there's a lot of competition around him. I know Southampton. Well, I saw him in Athletic yesterday. So yeah, we're in for him. And then in sort of the last 24 hours, I've seen the link to Wolves. Um, yeah, again, would be a, a positive signing. Um, but you know, how long's a piece of purse string? How much? How much do yeah. we have to spend? I think yeah. the thing is, Kieran, we, we spoke when we was it last week when we, when we sort of raised the transfer window. It must have been the week before actually because they had to sign Gonzalo Guedes. 
at that point. And the thing is, we, we said we need a centre-back. We need a centre-midfielder. We need competition for those sort of that front three places with the fact that it looks like Traoré is probably going to go and doesn't even want to be at the club. When he, when he came on against Fulham, he didn't even want to be there. Um, you know, and we're desperately for a striker. We, we, we've now ticked three out of those four, four boxes quite um, emphatically. Um, you know, they've all been top, top quality signings. And I just cannot for the life of me think that, that we will end this window without finishing the, the, the project off, if you like, and, and bringing in that top quality striker. I can't for one second think that Nunes would come to us if there hadn't been reassurances that we're getting this complete team in and we are going to try and challenge for things. You know, I can't imagine Neves not going and, and, and committed to a new contract if that promise hadn't been made of this is a this is a big year for us. The Pershing's are happening. This is who we're looking to get in. This is what we want to do. I, I just can't see I can't see why Neves and Nunes Pajor that will be committing to, to, to this to to, to, to Wolves if if we were just gonna be relying on Quanky Chan up front for argument's sake. No respect for Hanley Quanky Chan. Um you get what I'm saying? I just feel like the, the statements have been made the last two weekends. You know, the, the previous weekend it was Gonzalo. This weekend, well, I know it's ended up going into this week because of the medical and things like that. It, it's Nunes. I, I just can't see us not getting a, a top quality striker in. Who? Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure. That, that remains to be seen. But the Gonzalo Ramos links that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Well, I suppose you just have to wait and see uh, who comes in the door. One thing I would say is. Um, as much as Wolves like to recruit Portuguese players, um, Portuguese players like to join Wolves. Um, we, we spoke the other day, JB, when the Nunes signing was um, confirmed by the yeah. likes of John Percy and Fabrizio Romano. Um, and we said, what a selling point it must be for Wolves now to have this bed of, of Portuguese talent who can vouch for the club, who know the yeah. local area, who've got... Um, you know, this this community within the West Midlands and, you know, it's such a selling point. And then this morning, there's a there's an interview come out um, on Wolves' Twitter account with Matthias Nunez, where he said, um, where he said he spoke to the likes of Neves and Moutinho and um, yeah. Saar, and they've, they've said, yeah, come to the club, you know, they've got good things to say about it. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see yet another Portuguese player through the door. It's such a selling yeah. point. It doesn't. There's there's a really good article. John Percy released an article this morning on on the um, on the it's a it's a Guardian who reports for another Telegram. Yeah, they got yeah. And um, I was just quickly reading before we came on air, and, and he said another big thing, and the reason why, obviously, the Portuguese links are because of the manager and the fact that Jorge Mendes is, is closely tied to foes, and obviously we, we know all that. But another sort of thing, a reason why Wolves sort of go for that Portuguese thing is the fact that they are, within the sporting world, known as meticulous athletes. It's a really, really good read. I recommend anybody to have a read. I think it's not a darling to be on a paywall, actually, at the moment, um, online. And it says that they are notoriously known to be meticulous athletes. They're family-orientated. They eat the right things. They drink the right things. They work hard. They are very family And you see that from if you, if you follow Wolves players on the Instagrams, on weekends after the games or in the downtime, they're all around each other's houses, eating food, the kids are together. They're very much, the, the, the culture I assume from Portugal is very, very family orientated and that replicates the way that they go about their day job. Um, so it's a win-win situation. You know, Wolves are getting high class, um, high professional um, elite athletes, sort of the top of their game who are embedded into the sort of the culture that they want, want to sort of promote. And likewise, they are, you know, encouraging each other to come to this club. And we, we, like I said, we spoke about it in our little group chat that, that we have. And we spoke about the fact that there's a little community on the outskirts of Wolverhampton where they all live. They all live in sort of the, the, the similar areas, sort of around the Technal Pen area. There's lots of sort of pop-up Portuguese cafes in the area now, restaurants, things like that. And it's always become a community for them. Um which sounds, oh, I can't remember that conversation. It, it, it's ridiculous, really. But that that's where we're at as a club. Um, and do you know what? I'm just going to make the most of what I'd say, mate, because I never in my lifetime imagined we would be, be signing the calibre of players that we have done over the last sort of four or five years. Um, and it's just, just, yeah, it's incredible, really. And um, I'm really excited to see 
as and when hopefully this this new striker comes in as to what we can try and achieve this year. It hasn't been the most ideal start. One point from two games, which we'd have expected at least three, um, probably four, to be honest with you. But it is what it is. We are where we are. Wolves, as we all know, have this sort of notorious trait of picking up points in games that we're not really sure we should. Um, and then not picking up points in the games, we probably should, if that makes sense. So, you know, fingers crossed, we're in a position where the next couple of games, which are, which are quite tough, um, you know, we, we can pick up the points that we sort of squandered, if you like, against Leeds and Fulham. Um, I'd imagine Nunes will come straight to the starting level. He's, he's fighting fit. He's been playing week in, week out for the last couple of weeks. I don't see any reason why he shouldn't start on Saturday. Um, I doubt strike would come in now between. I think all the effort that has gone into the club getting the Nunes deal over the line probably means that I would imagine maybe next week that's when they'll sort of really start pushing for this striker. But yeah, mate, really, really sort of exciting times. The fact that Foson seems to have opened the checkbook again. I think I think they'll still be outgoings as well. Um, it would not surprise me if Gibbs White does go, even though Large has come out publicly and said he wants him to stay. He believes one of the, the big, brightest talents in English football. He sees him as a focal point for this club going forward. I still think if Forrest come in with, with some kind of silly offer around the 40 million mark, um, he, he, he may well go. I'm not sure, even though, and again, hands up because I've been one of his biggest critics, Den Donker. He's actually been really, really good these last couple of games. He's really showing his quality in class. Um, but I'm not quite sure where this leaves him in terms of pecking order and where he fits into the side and whether he becomes, you know, a, a bench filler, if, if you like. And I still think the key thing for Wolves is getting Trey away off the books because, you know, he's a decent earner. There's, 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 there's only a year left on his contract, but probably less than a year now. His demeanour says to me he probably doesn't really want to be here. He probably knows deep down that he's fourth or fifth choice in a pecking order in that, in that sort of front three behind the, the top man. Um, it's just finding who will take him on, how much we're willing to go down to. So, yeah, so I think it's going to be really interesting sort of 13 days, if you like, in terms of incomings and, and outgoings as well. Um, definitely sort of looking forward to these next 13 days and see, see, see what sort of happens and what sort of uh, the mould that it takes, if you like. Yeah, well, a big six games really for Wolves to take them up to uh, the September international break. Um, you've got to play Spurs, Liverpool, and City in that time. So, yeah. games Newcastle, Bournemouth, and Southampton take on that um, yeah. importance. But yeah, exciting times, I'm sure, if you're a Wolves fan. Um, yeah. I'm not overly happy about the signing, JB. If I can, uh, sorry, mate. <laughs> I'm not overly happy about them signing oh, Nunes, if I'm honest. I get that, man. They're doing it. This is the thing. I think, I think it's a, it's a really funny one because, and I have to be honest, because I, I, I'll be as guilty as well. You know, obviously, there's a lot of banter and, 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 and stuff going around about, you know, saltiness and, and being rattled and all that sort of stuff. But it, a lot of it is said in jest, particularly on my behalf. But I'd be the same. I, th- I think if Wolves. If we win our successful period now, then all of a sudden it goes sort of tits up and then Warsaw, for argument's sake, all of a sudden start doing what Wolves did and we're in the doldrums. The, the, the course is going to be a natural element of envy. You know, when Wolves, Wolves fans can deny all the wants and we can take the piss going, oh, we did do nothing in the Premier League. You know, you you, you, you just did you were a big table for eight years. But in reality, when we're in the doldrums, the championship, and we, we look like we were never going to get out of it, we looked at, we looked at Alvin and thought, Christ, we'd give anything to be in the Prem week in, week out, playing the, the top teams, having a chance of maybe, you know, winning a cup or having a good run and things like that. You do, and when it's your local rivals, you do sort of look over the fence a little bit. I've been there. You know, yeah. it's just oh, nice. I, mean, I was joking, JB, but... Um, no, 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 no. There's a real trauma there, clearly. No, no, no. <laughs> Mate, it has been a traumatic 30-odd years being a Warsaw buddy. That, 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 stuff, that, that stuff cuts deep. But um, no, I looked, at, I looked at Villa last year and Villa, you know, I thought they were making some tremendous signs. But when folks looked to be looked to have closed their checkbook and Villa were, were popping out all these signings, you know, your Coutinho's and stuff like that, you're like, Christ, you know, why can't we do that? Um, and that's just, just the way the football world, really, particularly when it's your local rivals, looking looking at doing, doing bits, but... No, mate, it, it's exciting times. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next couple of weeks. And, and fingers crossed it clicks on the pitch because we can make all these signings, mate. We can talk about we've got these players coming in, we're doing this, we're doing that. We've got to make a click on the pitch because at the moment it hasn't quite clicked. Obviously, it's changing when you bring these players into that starting eleven, and you'd hope we'll look a different animal. But um, it hasn't been ground the pitch so far. And that, that has been 
pushed to the side a bit. We've almost swept that that sort of fact under the carpet that we haven't had a great start to the season. We haven't looked particularly great. I'm really hoping that Saturday is the start of, of, of a new Bruno 11 because fair play now. We, we People have gone, you know, you know, he hasn't been back. He's come in. He's been, he's been done the dirty. He'll be by folks and have given him what he wants now. He wanted a top-class centre-half. He's wanted Gwede since he's come in. He's wanted a top-class box-to-box midfielder and he wants top-class striker. If Fosen give him those four things, it's in Bruno's court um, where he, he hasn't really had that responsibility yet because of the lack of um, backing, if you like. So particularly when or if that striker comes in, the ball is purely in Bruno's court and I'm looking forward to see what he comes up with. Yeah, exciting times, JB, exciting yeah. times. Um, let's loop back to the trivia then, JB. Remind yes. me and the listeners who the four players we had to rank based on transfer value were. Um, so the four players were from the sort of the 06 to the 08 era were Christoph Berra, Dave Edwards, Kevin Phillips, and Chris Brunt. Okay. Um, I think Kevin Phillips was was the cheapest. Okay. Then I'm going to say Dave Edwards. Then yeah. I'm going to say Berra. And then most yeah. expensive, Chris Brunt. Ooh, so close. So close. So I'll start where you go. So Chris Brunt, correct, the most expensive. Do you know how much you bought him for? Three million? Yeah, 3.38 million you brought uh, Chris Brunt for. Value for money-wise, mate. You more than made your money back on that, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely so. Absolutely. Christoph Berra, you were correct, was second as well, mate. He was bought for 2.7 million uh, from Hart back in the, I think it was the 08 or 09 season. We brought Christoph Berra. Really difficult one, this is, mate. This is, you've got these the wrong way around, but it was super close. I'm being really super pinnacle. So, in third place, sorry, the third most expensive was Kevin Phillips. Okay. You signed him for 945,000. Right. Okay. Dave Edwards was 900,000 from Luton, from Luton, I think it was. Was it Luton or Shrewsbury? No, Luton. Luton, we signed Dave Edwards, I think. Wow. So, yeah. So, very close to those. There's only 45k in it. Um, I, I thought we'd signed Kevin Phillips for free. And to be fair, 900k is essentially free, in it? Um, yeah, you, you don't get a strike of his calibre for that sort of money nowadays, do you? Yeah, I think he only had one season at Villa. I think I think it was Villa we signed him from. I don't think it was. There. Yeah, I think so as well. I think so. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, good effort there, mate. Well done, good effort. Yeah, that's annoying. That Forty-five grand's done. <laughs> bit tight, bit tight, me really, mate. That was a bit tight. Yeah. Um. Good question, though. Um. Thank you. Yeah, it's on me next week. I've got, I've got one lined up. Um. Yeah, based on uh, international appearances, JB. So oh, brilliant! Get, get revising. Time. Get revising. That's your topic. I will do, um, mate. I will do. Okay. And then, um, as is custom, our last 10, 15 minutes will be previewing the next couple of games. Um, uh-huh. We've already alluded to the fact that um, Albion against Hull feels pretty big for a game this early in the season. Hull have started well. Um, two wins from their opening four games and two draws as well. They're currently sitting second behind Blackburn. Um, bookies are giving five to one on Hull to win this game. Uh, wow. So the, there's value there if you they've want to... off quite well, haven't they, Hull? They've started off quite well, am I imagining that? Yeah, yeah. No, they have, yeah. Second in the table, yeah. Um, yeah. Just behind Blackburn. So you, if you do fancy back in who are second in the league, you can get five to one on it, yeah, wow. um, which is crazy, really. Um, I think sort of two-thirds through last season, maybe three-quarters through last season, they brought in shot at um, Arvaladze and it sort of they limped over the line last year and then yeah. Yeah, they've started well this season. They have um, they might have changed ownership. Um, oh, they've certainly cool. spent a lot more money. Um, they've, okay. they've had they've had a quite a, an overhaul of playing staff. Um, yeah, they've started well. Um, I, I don't want to read too much into anything this early in the season, um, but at some point you would hope that Albion's um, sort of data dominance. Um, I'm yeah. reluctant to go down that path again, like I yeah. did last season. Um, because uh, there comes a point when you can't just keep waiting for variants and you know the goals <laughs> to fly in because sometimes that doesn't yeah. happen. However, um, I am looking at this thinking, right, we're five games in, we've been the better team in probably four of those games. 
no, hang on. <laughs> we've four games in. We've been the better team. We've probably three of those games. I was kind of cup game in that then. Yeah. Um, the, maybe the win's coming this weekend. Uh, and as I said, with away trips to Huddersfield and Wigan as well, um, it will be good to get three points at the Hawthorns. We are, of course, unbeaten at the Hawthorns so far this season in all competitions, a win and two draws. Um, so, yeah, why not? Why not? And maybe Carl and Grant will prove me wrong, but I wouldn't actually mind if uh, Callum Robinson got the nod. Um, the only thing with that is I feel like Carl and Grant is the kind of player, um, and I might be totally wrong here, um, is the kind of player who would kick up a fuss if you left him out um, yeah. for a week or two. He just seems like, um, yeah, very... It's, it's really, really difficult. What, it's really difficult one with, with Carl and Grant because... He's obviously devoid of confidence. He's not stupid. He'll know how the Albion fans are feeling about him, whether that be online or just in the stage of itself. Um, and it's like, if you take her out the firing line, does that, does that sort of dent his confidence even further? Or does he give him a well-needed break? Almost in those situations, it's better just to keep on going until, until that duck's broken, you know? Um, yeah. But then you can't keep taking good. that risk. It's a really delicate situation. Yeah, we might have no choice. And we also, we don't want to overplay the only player who Bruce feels can play as a number nine at the moment. Yeah, sure. It's it's one of them. If, if I was the manager and Bruce is supposedly great at his man management, um, I hope he is because he doesn't seem that great at anything else. Um, but I'd put an arm around him. I'd say, listen, Carlin, you were never supposed to be our sole number nine. You've played a lot of football this early in the season. Have a game off. Come and sit yeah. on the bench. We'll bring you on after an hour. Um, then go and show everybody what you can do. Because he's not linking the play. He's offside consistently. He can't finish his chances. He doesn't look like he's going to score. Obviously, he's scored a couple already. But um, based on the Blackburn and um, and Cardiff game, he just doesn't look like he's going to score. Yeah. Um, he's missed a lot of chances this early in the season. Um, so I'd just maybe give him a rest for an hour and then bring uh-huh. him up. Um, but as you say, JB, the, the alternative is maybe he starts and um, gets an early goal. The the best thing for us would be a penalty because I think Carl and Grant would take it and he'd probably score. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm going to go with a one-all draw, um, change of tack from me. I'm going to predict a draw and hope for a win rather yeah. than predict a win and inevitably get a draw. (laughs) Again, we were talking this week. I've, uh, since we started this podcast, um, two and a bit seasons ago, I've had a shocking record on predicting Albion and an amazing record on predicting Wolves. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, We really should keep a better record, but um, yeah, I've predicted the correct uh, result twice this season for Wolves and the correct score once for Wolves this season. So um, yeah, maybe I should go into predicting Wolves games for a living. Definitely not <laughs> predicting West Brom games for a living because the bias gets in the way and I'm afraid I'm absolutely terrible at it. Um, JB, obviously tough this early on in the season, um, but how do you see um, Albion against Hull? Yeah, really, really interesting one. Like you say, all, all of start, I've got off to a fly sitting second in the table. You'd imagine that would drop off um, a bit like Blackburn. I think especially the strong rumours that um, Nice have, have gone in for, for, for Brick and Diaz. Um, I think it's the potential owner of, Man- the, new, of the new Manchester United owner um, has got links to Nice and they're spending a bit of cash and they're going in, or going in for, for Brighton Diaz so particularly I think if he goes Blackburn will definitely sort of drop off a little bit and I'd imagine Hall would be the same but, but credit to them they've started off really well I don't think it's a straightforward game is what I probably would have thought it would have been a couple of weeks ago just because of how Hull have started off and how Albion have struggled um, I still think Albion are, are, are going to come good at some point. I, I, I just think, like you said, they've been the better team, so probably three out of four games. It's just been a case of not taking the chances. Um, and, and with them being at home particularly, um, I, I just think they'll have a little bit too much for Hull. Um, I, I can see your lodging going for one all in terms of I can see that being viable, and also you're hoping that that sort of tempts fate and, and gets you the win. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to what I've kind of gone for the last couple of weeks. I mean, predicted now being win most weeks apart from Blackburn. Um, so, but I'm I'm, still, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Albion win. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go two 0 Albion. Nice. Um, I, I hope you're right, JB. I hope you're right. Yeah. I just think it's got. To, I think it's just got to come good. I think it's got it's, it's got to come good. I don't think Albion are a bad side. 
you know, a look at who they've got, a look at who they've got within the squad. Yes, they're struggling. Yes, there's lots of question marks over Bruce. Um, but I just think they're just too, on paper, you're a good side. And I think it should come, should come good at some point. Yeah, you would certainly hope so. Um, we'll see anyway. We'll yeah. see. Um, right over to Wolves, JB. Really tough game for yeah. Wolves um, there against Tottenham. Tottenham got four points from opening two games. Obviously, all the yeah. drama with the Chelsea game um, uh-huh. at the weekend on Sunday. Um, tough one. As you said, if if Nunes comes into the starting lineup um, and maybe Guedes plays, um, yeah. it could be a really, really exciting game of football. They're, they're a Top, top, top side. Um, yeah. The system as well, the 3-4-3. Obviously, Conte was um, at the forefront of that revolution when he was the Chelsea manager. Um, and a lot of teams have moved to that 3-4-3 since he won yeah. the Chelsea. And no one seems to quite do it like uh, yeah. Conte does it. Um, yeah, it's, they're a really, really good outfit. And I do I do think they'll win this game. I think Spurs will... Uh, I think Spurs will win, but I think Wolves might score... Um, it might be a, a new Wolves with um, a progressive ball carrier and passer like Nunez in the midfield. Um, it might need, mean that Neves can stop and dictate the play from further back as well yeah. um, and hopefully liberate some of those forward players. And yeah, hopefully the forward players can finish their chances, as you alluded to earlier, Neto with a good opportunity against Fulham. Didn't happen. Um, yeah, I th- I'm going to go... 2-1, JB. 2-1 Spurs. What about you? Yeah, yeah to be honest with you, mate, you, you, you might have done my segment for me if you pretty much took the words out of my mouth, <laughs> uh, if I'm being totally honest with you. Um, Spurs are a top, top outfit. Very, very good outfit. Conte is is, is an elite manager. Um, whether or not it makes any difference in not being on the bench on Saturday, I don't think it will. Um, you know, you cling on to any sort of um, level of hope that something might make a difference. Yeah, I think he's got a, a touchline ban on Saturday. I think that's what I've read. Um, so you never know. You, you have to sort of take every sort of chink in the armor down you to, to, to your to your sort of um, to your benefit. Yep. But Spurs are an excellent, excellent side. They will be up there come the end of the season. Conte has got them well drilled. They are notoriously fit. Conte sides and um, they've started off really, really well. It, it's as tough a game as they come. Ironically, Wolves have always we've we've kind of done quite well against Spurs. Actually, usually away from home. I think since we've come up, I think if this is our Fifth season in the Prem, that would be fourth season. It's your fourth, yeah. Fourth, yeah. I think we've, I think we've won away. Yeah, I think I think we've won at least two out of three or three out of three away since since we've been up. Yeah, um, three, three two in twenty twenty. Yeah, um, three one in twenty eighteen. Yeah. And how did we get on last two, year? Two nil last year. So yeah, yeah. We've won three. I knew we've got a really good record away to Spurs, and things like that always have to come to an end. Spurs will be fully aware of that. Um, granted, I don't think any of them would be caught. I don't think was Conte their manager last year when we. Uh, yeah, he yeah. would have been in February yeah. last year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but either way, I think they're a different animal to what we were facing. Um, I think I agree with you. I think Spurs have a little bit too much. I think it, I think it'll be two one. However, I think we are going to play really well. I think, like you said, it's going to be different Wolves. I think Nunes coming in is going to allow Neves to, to really settle into. The, the, the style of play that really, you know, for me makes him one of the best in his, in his position. Um, I think that I think I won't be surprised if Guedes get a start, you know, he'll be raring to go as well. Interesting where he goes in terms of if that in terms of that front four, if you like, um, whether he plays Guedes as the focal point and sticks to the sort of the net open ends, Morgan gives right front three, or whether Guedes comes in and he sticks with Huang. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see, see what it does my good instinct tells me he's probably going to stick with Gibbs White Neto and Pedence and then play Guedes in the middle um, it, it, that, that would be my sort of um, instinct to where he's going to go but I think, well, I think we'll put up a good performance I think it'll be a really good game they always are against Spurs you know I mean last year obviously we, we beat them away and we played them I in those early three games when we played Leicester, Spurs and Man United and we lost all three 1-0 but we were playing incredibly well in all three um, I think it might be sort of similar to that I don't think it'll be as dominant because each of those three games beginning last season we were incredibly dominant we just could not score I think Troy missed about 77 one-on-ones um, but 
I think we will we'll put up a good fight. I think we'll play well. I think we'll be good on the eye. And I don't think it'll be a straightforward a win for Spurs, but I just think they'll just have that little bit too much. Um, and I think then that will hopefully give us the, the push to go and get that striker in next week. And then kind of from the week after, we can really look to kick on and try and make progress for the table. So as much as I really want us to go there and, and, and make it four out of four away, we need to be in the Prem. I just think Spurs have a little bit too much. I'm going to mirror your prediction, mate, and go 2-1 Spurs. Yeah, lovely stuff, JB. Um, it is actually fifth season in the Premier League. I, I always oh, is it? Okay. Is it? I always forget the pandemic season, which I shouldn't really because we were in the Premier League then. Um, but um, yeah, you, got, you got promoted 17-18, didn't you? So Yes, we did, yeah. So, so I remember we won, I remember we won three one when Jimenez, Caviero, and Costa scored. I remember we won just before COVID hit, which would have been twenty. So yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, March. 20. That was when um, Jota, Jota, and Jimenez created one of the most wonderful Wolves goals I've seen. Yeah, um, but you lost in the pandemic season. Did um, we play at Spurs? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, three out three out of four isn't a bad record. So maybe that hoodie would have been broken. Is a is a is a is a is a bit of um a bit of weight off the back. You never know, but yeah, still think they'll have a bit too much. But I'm hoping for also, also the early kickoff, JB. Everyone yeah. don't back the early kickoff because you can't predict it. So you know, yeah, do you know it's a good point, mate. A very good point. So that, yeah, there are there are a couple of little signs, mate. You know, we'll we'll see, we'll, we'll see. But you know, particularly if Guedes and, and Nunes start, mate, that's going to give the team a real. You know, a real lift. Um, that could be a good game. Um, I think at t- in times gone by, maybe when it would have been Nuno and Mourinho, you'd have looked at that game and gone, oh God, I don't want to watch one yeah. play. Um, I think it'd be a brilliant game, mate. I think to yeah. me, I'm really excited for it. I'm almost putting it to half 12 because then it's done dusted by half past two. I, wish, I almost wish it was on Sunday evening kickoff or something on a Sunday afternoon. That's the, worst, that's the worst thing when they put Albion on a Friday night all the time. Done and dusted, isn't it? I hate you it. Draw, you draw nil-nil on Friday night and then you're like, well, now I've got to watch everyone else have fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But we are at the... Um, we are at the... We are at the hands of the TV companies, aren't we, mate? We are, yeah. at their, you know, beck and call, as you like. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think you don't need to say that twice to Albion fans. We've uh, no, no, not at all. moved more than enough times. Uh, surely everyone's bored of it. Albion fans are bored of being moved. Yeah, surely everybody's bored of watching Albion. So at some point they'll realise we're not the team they think we are, and they'll stop us <laughs> on. Uh, but we do have a couple of three PM kickoffs in a row, which is nice. Um, oh, good, good. Yeah, um, I'll try and get up to Huddersfield away as well. It's a good away day. That is. Um, yeah, yeah, prop, prop, proper time up there in Huddersfield. Proper time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, right, JB, that does bring us to the end of this week's pod. Uh, thank you to the listeners for listening to us uh, ramble on once again here at the Black Country Ramble. If you want to get in touch on Twitter, we are at BCR Pod. Um, feel free to ask questions or query any of the nonsense we've come out with um, this week, last week, next week, whenever week you want to. Um, JB, anything to add before we sign off? No, mate, no. Pleasure, pleasure catching up again. Um... Enjoy Barcelona. Have a good time, mate. Enjoy. Malt gracias. Yeah, most most um, uh, most well deserved, buddy. And we'll catch up next week, mate. By which time, yeah. hopefully, we'll have another Romano Percy special on the uh, on the incoming wall striker. Who knows? Yeah, I hope not, mate. I hope not. Uh, <laughs> maybe I can get a, a Catalan wizard through the door. Who knows? Uh, maybe I'll bring back Martin um, Braithwaite. Braithwaite, yeah. See what suitcase. Just, just his one, just, just his one, one hundred and fifty grand a week wages to deal with, or whatever he's on. Is it's yeah. daft? Yeah, I've. Uh, I'm only Ryanair mate, so I've got hand luggage. I don't think you'll fit in there. No, so he'll probably no. be staying there. I doubt. The thought, the thought was there. Yeah, the thought was there. There might be a a wonder kid at Espanol I could sneak back with me, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Never yeah. Um, Malt gracias. I think that's right. My Catalan's not as good as my Spanish, JB, but. Uh, you're asking think, the wrong person, Paul. <laughs> I'll find out. I'll find out. I think that's how you say thank you very much in Catalan. Um, I haven't checked the listed stats in a little while. Uh, if we do have any Catalan listeners out there, correct my pronunciation or choice of words. Um, please do get in touch at BCR Pod. Um, but once again, um, Malt Gracias for listening. Um, and JB, thank you for your time. Uh, we'll catch you next week um, with another episode of The Black country ramble. Muchas gracias.